here I am in this room looking at the uh, drum set and uh, this beautiful uh, picture on the wall. Uh, blah, do you blah, blah. remember who that guy is? Or do you know him? Uh, Costello, right? That's correct. Yeah. Elvis Costello, yeah. From the very early attractions, yeah, okay. recordings. Okay. Now, I don't know him. Don't almost don't know his music either, to be honest, but uh, recognize his face. Yeah. So that's how come I, you don't know uh, no, about that's Elvis n- Costello? I no, mean, that's... Elvis brand is big <laughs> in both in Costello and in Presley. Yeah, uh, but uh, my. My thing is basically electronic music yeah. in, in different ways. So uh, uh, I wouldn't say that everything that has to do with the guitar uh, goes totally away, but uh, sort of. Is it that because you <laughs> never started with guitar or where did you start? Did you start with keyboards? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I um, I started with, uh, with keyboards. So basically, if we take it from start... Um, Real early, when you were young. Yeah, okay. We take it from the beginning. Um, yeah, when I was really young, uh, my parents... First of all, we had a music room in mm-hmm. our house. Uh, there was a piano, there was drums um, and guitar. And um, uh, even when I was just a couple of years old, I um, my parents found out that I had very much rhythm in me. So... It could be that my uh, father was hammering on something, and I actually uh, <laughs> grooved with with the uh, with the um, rhythm that you were hitting your legs and stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, yes, yeah, so, so, so that that's like uh, you could identify that I I kind of heard music everywhere, you know. And then I was very into music. My my parents played some music on the stereo at home, and it could be like pop music, like Tennessee and Chicago and mm-hmm. these type of seventies or Beatles or whatever. Because yeah. you were born in the seventies. Yeah, seventy two. Yeah, so that's correct. So so we're talking mid seventies when when uh, when when uh, this Disco. music was around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be also when they had like parties at home. But yeah, very early I was into music and. I wanted to. Uh, they have a tape recorder, like like a reel-to-reel tape deck, you know. Um, and I always wanted to be close to that tape machine, and and uh, and uh, they they had the music on the tape machine, so I wanted them to play the music all the time. So that's mm-hmm. basically how it started. And I was so into it, so I actually went on a real concert in Gothenburg, Scandinavium, '77, with the group Tennessee. Oh really? So five years old, I was with my father at this concert, which which is, uh, yeah, it might be very early for most people to to join your father. Well, was Scandinavian the size that it's yeah, today? Exactly. Like 20,000, something exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. A concert today is like ten thousand, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and it was the same back then. Yeah. And I even remember where in the area we were sitting and everything. So. Yeah. So it was a huge impact for you to see this concert and. Yeah, it also was a bit late, so I remember I was I was bored after a bit, you know. So uh, I, I remember like not sleeping underneath the seats, but uh, yeah, I, I was like up and down mm-hmm. because uh, I knew a couple of songs and I liked those, but uh, you know, a concert a couple of hours for for a five year old is uh, yeah, that's too period. much, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, so so I was very 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 into music uh, from start. Um, and then this room, like the musical room that we call the drum room in Swedish, the trumrummet, mm-hmm. um, 
was was a place where you can go and you can play anytime uh, during day you know you can um, because it was muffled so you didn't make a sound yeah outside. we had a house yeah so we we didn't disturb any neighbors anything so you could so, play as much as you liked yeah anytime yeah. you we just put uh, headphones like uh, what do you call that? With, with no uh, no music on, just just uh, security yeah, yeah. headphones. Ear protection. Yeah, protection. Yeah, uh, headphones. So so um, and, and then you can play the drums, you know. And uh, so, so that's where I think it all started back in in, in the days. And um, then when when I was in like school age, maybe seven eight year old, uh, my parents thought thought maybe we should bring a piano uh, teacher or something, you know, to. Uh, uh, you know, enhance my interest and mm-hmm. of, of all this, you know, and try to develop things, you know. But the thing with me was that when the piano teacher came and he played like these, uh, yeah, uh, do, do, like very simple songs, you know, I mm-hmm. identified all the music with my ears. Yeah. So I, I never got to learn the notes on the paper because... Yeah, so you learned by ear. Everything. Yeah. So he could play rather i wouldn't say difficult melodies but you know still uh, mm. difficult for a seven year old yeah and i just like heard them and i replayed them with with the d- director yeah, so you so. found the notes and you yeah. knew the rhythm and all that yeah so i i never learned any like uh, notes uh, mm-hmm. and that's the same today i, I can't read notes uh, you never bothered to learn no 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 never and i never been um that's had uh, that has has uh, never been a disadvantage either. Yeah. So so, um, but uh, yeah, I, I never learned the notes, and uh, so so that's where where like it all started, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, that's very interesting that you went to a, an early early concert like that because <laughs> not a lot of people would take their kids to a concert. No, no. But of course, if if you see that there's interest in children, of course you want them to enhance the experience. Yes. Yeah. I mean, anybody could be a star if they just have the right, yeah, you know, environment to grow up in. Yeah. So yeah, my my father actually played drums in in a um, in a band in the sixties, mm-hmm. but they never released any records. Uh, what they, was the name? Uh, Do you I think remember? Four Faces. Four Faces. Yeah, and there is uh, another in Swedish group. or in, in yeah in, yeah they called it Four Faces. Uh, mm-hmm. There was another group called Small Faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is famous, more famous. Super famous. Yeah, yeah, super famous almost. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I, I don't know, but they released records. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's not them, you know. But, yeah, yeah, So they called Four Faces, and um, it's a good name. So they played uh, on local um, events. Um, I'm not 100% if they played on Q Club, the famous 60s club, but they yeah. were around that thing. They played on Lisseberg. They won that era, at yeah, least, Q yeah. Club. Yeah, yeah of course. A, he, he, my was huge was, in Gothenburg. Yeah. He, Everybody played there. He was there many times um, as a guest and, yeah. and stuff. So, so, yeah, so he was into that, but the break uh, didn't come. And, uh, yeah, he did something else. But the the music uh, has follow he, followed him uh, more like a hobby, you know. Yeah. And so when they built the house in the early seventies, he, uh, he he would like to have a music room, you know. That's mm-hmm. like his uh, goal, sort of. And when he got that music room, you know, then he played for himself, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I developed my skills in in slowly. In that yeah, yeah. Room, you know. The first thing that I found when I was looking at your name was mm-hmm. a DJ contest. Yeah, which yeah. was really early on. Yeah, could you sure. talk about that? Because yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, 
Yes, yeah, so so um, if we just continue the story, mm-hmm. maybe that's easy to follow. Um, when I was like uh, 12, 13 years old, we are talking now 85, mm-hmm. um, I was extremely interested in, in um, electronic music. Uh, when I heard Depeche Mode, the first album, Speak and Spell, in 81, um, my attention was like immediate and, uh, and, and blown away. Yeah, sort yeah. of. And, and that kind of was a game changer for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember listening a lot uh, to Deep Purple, like mm-hmm. uh, all of this yeah, Chicago as I told you, yeah, yeah, everything mm-hmm. that my father maybe played at home and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And and but I remember particular particularly Deep Purple as a, one of the favorites, you know. But when I heard like Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. everything changed, you know. And then I went into like Depeche Mode. Was that from radio or from friends or record or? Uh, do that you just ex- yeah, exactly. That record was from um, a friend and his like uh, older brother yeah. had that record and <laughs> typical for us 70s kids <laughs> yeah and i heard like just some seconds and i mm. was uh, i i can even you know remember my f- like my um initial impulses yeah and it was it was heavy you know yeah. it, it really heavy and and it, 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 like because it was totally different from all the rock stuff yeah totally totally and and then again you, you need to remember that um, today if you want to find something special, yeah. you, just, you, you can just go out on the internet and you can search for things and you can, you know, without any problems finding yeah. very small things here and there, you know, mm-hmm. or mainstream or whatever you're looking for. But if you're particularly into drums, you can Google drums and then you get Yeah, yeah. you can be super of, nerdy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then, you know, you had uh, one channel on the radio playing music at all. Yeah. And that was P3. In, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the rest the of it was talk radio. Yeah, talk radio. And... P3 was not a musical channel that when they play music all the time no. because they talk and then they play some music in the pauses, you know, exactly. w- when they didn't talk. They had programs basically with yeah. musical inserts. Yeah, correct. So so you need to remember that when, when yeah, to find out things like music back then was, was a totally different game, you know. Yeah, you um, learn from friends and from friends' friends and yeah, brothers and sisters. Stuff and, like that. Yeah. And I remember also uh, a friend of my father playing um, uh, the Yasuo record, Only You. <laughs> but when he switched on the B-side, there was another track called Situation. Yeah. And that track also, you know, I you know, immediately went to buy the uh, seven inch myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we're talking, I was like nine years old, 10 years mm. old, 81, 82. And up to like 12, 13, I was collecting with my i didn't have any money of course but yeah. you know some some Allowance. seven inches yeah. yeah some seven inches here and there and you know kind of uh, and and when i was um, do you remember was bangans around back then bangans was my uh, uh, number Your one home store. place yeah. yeah and they were not based where they are now yeah uh, they moved 87 i think uh, they were based in, in in sort of more of a basement in mayona yeah yeah that's so correct, yeah. Um, yeah so that that's where i remember uh, very well mm. um and they were also a bit cheaper to to, to the rest of the stores. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so I bought a lot of records from from Bengans. That that was our or my number one store. I think it's every musician's home yeah. if you live in Gothenburg. Everybody goes to Bengans. Yeah, yeah. So 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 um, when like eighty five, then uh, my interest was of electronic music. I started to play synthesizer at home. Like we we had. Um, we had one, uh, I think it's called Roland SH-1000, which is something my father bought for like 1,000 crowns, just to, that I can have something to play on. But back then, you, you needed to have 
if you wanted to do like an orchestra of, of things, you need to have a couple of synthesizers yeah, and you yeah, need yeah. to have a mixing desk and you need to have reverbs, blah, 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 a full studio, studio to do yeah. anything. But so, so what, what I wanted to, what I needed to do was to hook up with other people so you can get an orchestra going. Yeah. And that was my main goal to, to visit other people and to like uh, look into there. Yeah. Do you have this synthesizer? Mm. Yeah. I have a drum machine. Maybe we can learn and trade and share. Yeah. And yeah, to, to do, to, to be able to do anything because mm -hmm. otherwise you can just play your, your piano basically. Yeah, exactly. uh, and, and um, yeah, that's it. So, so that, and mean, meanwhile, around those years, um, the DJ thing, also uh, came to me and that was through p3 uh, with a um, swedish uh, class club Jägerstam, yeah uh, which uh, is a renowned dj in sweden yeah and also if you look back at his music career he, he was the engineer on abba tours and yeah. stuff like that so he was really into music and the music business uh, and as i knew him the most famous Swedish DJ. Uh, yeah, he was back in then. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I heard him on the radio. He played some good tunes. And he was also starting to, I would say, starting to learn mixing. Because mm. he, he didn't do that. Uh, he, I think the show started in 79. And he, he, like around 85, he, he had a uh, spot on his own show called Fix It In The Mix. Exactly. And then That's he right. tried to mix records. Yeah, yeah. And I have a lot of those recorded back in the days. Um, you recorded them on tape. Yeah. And if you listen to them today, the, the mix is in, itself is awful. You know, it's, it's yeah. not like, yeah. It, it it's goes very rough. and Very rough. <laughs> it, it, sometimes it, it goes mainly in beat, but, you know, it could be vocals over vocals and stuff mm. like that, which you don't do, you know, uh, if, if you mix today. Um, but he was an inspiration. And... Uh, going, going to answer a very long answer to your question about my okay. DJ competition and everything. But yeah, um, I, I from '85 to '90, I started to like build my studio, and then also started to train the DJ things. I, I think I bought my turntables back in '88, so I started to mix and try to mix and started to try to scratch and mm -hmm. all these things, and kind of had a like musical interest that was also both DJ dance music, but also producing writing uh, was uh, yeah. So, so it was a mixture of everything. Um, and also remember I, my age was like, yes, as I said, in between 12, 13 up to maybe 17 mm -hmm. those years. Um, but the then, learning period and, and the DJing period. Yeah. It's yeah. At home uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for fun period, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I would say, but, when I was around 16, uh, 80, 89, I got my first gig, paid gig, uh, as a DJ. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in school, uh, as probably most do, yeah. like the, the dancers in, in school. Um, and I went to Katrina Lund, a central... Uh, school uh, in the city. Yeah, correct. So uh, we had, I think there were uh, 1,300 students. So when we mm -hmm. had the party... It was kind of a big party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very nice to be the DJ and to be... i never been into being recognized as, as a star. Mm -hmm. um, that's never been my goal or anything. But obviously you want to... But you, you want got to there anyway. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but I of course you wanted to play in front of many people. Yeah, that's yeah. your main goal. A goal. But um, some people have that kind of nerve that you want to be the star of yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. 
And I've never been that type of person, you know. But still, you wanted to reach as many people as mm-hmm. you can. You wanted an audience, and you of wanted course. to do yeah, your stuff. Yeah, and... yeah. But 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 uh, yeah. So, so so then I started to to uh, DMC had a championship going. Started '85, and when they were up to like in the '90s, I I um, watched those videotapes uh, of of the world finals in the mixing championships, and they were competitors from all over the world uh, competing and um, in 91 I run for the Swedish championship and yeah there was a, like a state final or something like yeah, that yeah first you had Gothenburg Gothenburg yeah. uh, qualifications okay and then if you came number one or two you reached a, stock, a final in Stockholm mm-hmm. which is like the the main the final for Sweden to take out the Swedish champ yeah, you yeah. Know? and I came on the second place in Gothenburg so I went to Stockholm and I reached the second place in, in Stockholm as well. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, after training, uh, yeah, I don't want to be too, um, what do you say, uh, too nerdy about this. Mm-hmm. But, but in short terms, you need a crossfader to, to be able to, to compete yeah. because you use the crossfader to switch in between two, two songs all the time. So you go like crossfader, 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 crossfader. Yeah. And, and then you... Um, you, uh, you find your markers and spots. Yeah, yeah, and you 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 take your records back and forth, and you use the crossfader all the time. So I bought my mixer, and then I six weeks later I was on this Gothenburg. Uh, really? Yeah. So I only had six weeks to practice, and <laughs> That's then impressive. Yeah, and then one week later I went to Stockholm. So seven weeks after I bought this mixer with the crossfader, yeah. my first in my life, I went number two in Sweden. That's amazing. So everything went really fast, you know. Do you remember how many people were in the in the Swedish competition? Uh, I can't say exactly how many DJs. Roughly, was it like twenty or fifty we, or? in Gothenburg alone, I think we were around ten people competing. That's a lot. So then I I would guess that they have something similar in Malmo, mm. ten people there. 10 people in Stockholm and maybe one, 10 people in North. Or so. yeah. Roughly. I, I cannot yeah, yeah. say exactly, but let's put it that but it could still, be around still 50 a lot. people. Yeah, 50 yeah. people DJs competing. For being that early on, because yeah. I mean, DJing wasn't a super big thing in, in, that early in Sweden. No, not really, but it kind of developed as, um, if you look back, you know, um, uh, Robin Rass, um, yeah. uh, Rob was the number one in Sweden 88. Yeah. Ras was number one in Sweden 89. Mm. And they formed like Robin Ras yeah. after they that. Or in bit, yeah, yeah, they became friends and, and started to work. And so that was kind of a way to uh, something that you can be inspired. Yeah. You know, see like, yeah, if Robin Ras win the Swedish championship, blah, sure. blah, blah. They produce the records. That's something yeah, they got a lot of attention. Yeah, well. and 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 that's what th- this competition also was about. You mm-hmm. know, if if you getting recognized, yeah. getting more attention, getting plays, everything. So yeah. so my goal was not to be like the number one uh, turntable DJ. Yeah. My goal was to be able to work as a DJ. Yeah, to, to, and it, also remember, I was like 18, 19 years old. Correct. So I wanted to play in in the city, in the city of Gothenburg. Yeah, yeah. You know, get more shows, get money. Get, yeah, you know. and and that was hard to to get into places, and and yeah. and uh, you know you, you need to know people and blah 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 all these things. Mm. So it's it's a lot of. So I thought you know if if I went this far, like number two in Sweden, mm. it must help my career. career and yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 that that's the start of of me uh, went into the competition, mm. and one year later. 
they changed the rules so you can be more people on the stage. You you didn't necessarily needed to be a solo DJ. Yeah. You could be more people, you know. So uh, I took a friend here in Gothenburg and, and asked him because I, I didn't think I could win if I were alone against okay. like three DJs. Because there might be other companies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other teams that yeah, yeah. were two DJs or three DJs or something. And and as I knew a lot of studio tricks and stuff like that, I, I would immediately think that there will be a lot of things going on on stage mm-hmm. rather than before that you had two turntables you have a mixing desk and that's it you know yeah. and now they they're trying to to incorporate the the artist thing yeah, together making, with making DJ. music and pr- production yeah, and the value of that and so on so so what i did basically was i i called a good friend which is uh, had good skills on beat matching records but he, he couldn't scratch. He couldn't. He never no. been into like this turntableism, you know. Uh, and he kind of laid the beats in the background, and mm-hmm. I did all the tricks, like the advanced things yeah. on top. And we ended up number one in Sweden. Yeah. So we won. And that. there's also a video of, of yeah. that, isn't there? Of yeah, course. Because yeah, I yeah. looked at it earlier, and it's it's super fun to see <laughs> to see the clothing and the hair and you yeah. know all the stuff that we how we look when we we're younger. Yeah. And yes. I, the first thing when I looked at it, I got that feeling that when we were at that age, the, mm. the smell of uh, you know the gymnasiums yeah, and yeah. all those places just yeah. came back. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's it's, it's a ca- very time documented, very well. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. So when we uh, were number one in Sweden, we automatically became the team to represent Sweden. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the world finals. Yeah. And the world finals is always in London mm-hmm. because DMC headquarters is in London. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, uh, and the guy behind that is Tony Prince, uh, yeah, a legendary Luxembourg radio Correct. DJ. Yeah. So he was the one starting DMC and, and all these things. So uh, we went to London to and this year... The competition was on Minister of Sound, the famous mm-hmm. club, and uh, we ended up number five in the world in the finals. That's very so. impressive and very fun story as well, because all it's a long story and it's mm-hmm. super interesting. Did you put this in the book as well? Because you just released a new book. Yeah, correct. Yeah, basically, what the book is all about is uh, I hope to inspire people. In many ways, as as we talking now, you know, mm-hmm. maybe people listening now are feeling like, yeah, if he could do this, why not? You know, me, I can Correct. also be a DJ. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. also be because we all, you know, human beings and and are able to do different things. You know, and yeah. you just need to practice and you need to be interested and you need to, you know, follow your heart, whatever Correct. you want to be good at. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if you play the keyboard, the guitar, or if you want to be a DJ or anything else. It's the same path you need mm-hmm. to walk, sort of. Absolutely, and, and you need those uh, inspirational. Yeah. So, you know, so in the book, I, I kind of explain my whole life um, about this, and um, and sometimes I'm a bit nerdy in the book to explain yeah. things. And Good. Like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and also um, I try to be kind of easygoing, so it's easy to follow the things, and and um, so so uh, yeah, I explain a lot of things in the book uh, about these things and how the feelings around what I felt and what I yeah. you know all everything around these things as well so yeah it's included yeah, let's not take all of the book in this no, podcast no, no. because i want people to read it because yeah. it's oh. always more fun and interesting yeah, yeah, yeah but but from the djing and, and the competitions and mm-hmm. stuff you you must have learned a lot about how other people do it and talk to the other artists and see where they came up and what was the learning process for, for you 
doing all that and what did you bring home when you are you talking about the competition alone or no, i'm you... talking more about what you learn from these different djs in in terms of how they make their mixes and their mm-hmm. songs and yeah, okay, production okay. value and so yeah on. okay if, if we're talking because if we we are around like 92 now you know yeah. I, i'm 20 years old i've been competing in this championships and it, it, it went well mm-hmm. and i can kind of got recognitions for that you know and um, so, so people were kind of, I, I had a bus going on, sort yeah, of, you know, yeah, yeah. and the inspiration for me up to that point, you know, we're talking about Clubbe mm-hmm. on, the, on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about, uh, if we, to- we start with the DJ things, there was a compilation going on, Max Mix. Correct. That's the one. Yeah. yeah and what, was, what Max Mix did was to mix up songs, popular songs. And they kind of trashed them totally. Mm-hmm. So they can take um, a key like uh, right on time. And then mm-hmm. they took that sentence and right, 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 yeah, right. Exactly. And they right, 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 cut everything uh, any way they wanted. Yeah, hysterically, yeah. basically. And and the first three, four, five records was brilliant. And then it went just like too much of everything. But <laughs> but that was still an inspiration, you know. Yeah. It's, it's everything you can... You can hear that that's been doing something different, you know. Yeah. That I tried to snap up in my head, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. so that was that type of mixing. Then, as I hear the keys kind of easily, you and and the rhythms, you know, I had it was easy for me to beat match. Yeah. But then you add the other dimension with with the tone. Correct. So you mix a, a record. Um, in the right BPM, but also in the right key. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was C sharp and not B flat, and so on. Correct. So uh, I got a lot of inspiration from if I heard things like that when when people were matching. That was rare back mm-hmm. in those days. You know, not a lot of people, or almost if any, mixed in key. That that no, you could you could, could hear go that anywhere. Nineties was very yeah lubricant with that. So so, uh, but then again, you had this DMC uh, t- to get mixed records and remixed records on on to, to to be able to be inspired from them you need to buy some of those records mm-hmm. and those records were hard to find and they were expensive and, and, and stuff like that but the dmc uh, had this going on and some of the djs producing for dmc this disco mix club records yeah. some of them were really good you know and then you kind of you know hear things here and there and so so that's you know, you, you, you can learn from records, you can learn from radio, but that's it, period. Mm-hmm. You can learn from anything else. Oh, no, friends. There, there weren't a lot of books to no. check out. No, there no, was no. no YouTube to no, 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 go no, no. to. There might be some, you know, video that you could get from a friend who had, you know, a 3,000 time copy of yeah. something. Yeah, the only saw. video I was looking at was this DMTC competition videos. Yeah. And then again, you can imagine, I think they cost around two to 300 crowns back yeah, yeah. then. Mm-hmm. It's like paying a thousand crowns for, for a video, for a YouTube clip for yeah, one hour, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like... It's a hundred euros today. Yeah, a hundred euros <laughs> for, for, for looking at one hour of mixing, you know, yeah. so, but of course I bought that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then I... Yeah, it was an inspiration and yeah. a way to learn and yeah. see how people moved and did everything, all that. So, so, so that's what work. was my kind of start in the DJ things, and, and then... DJ and producers started to to, to um, emerge glue yeah, yeah. together and and um, 
uh, I think you, if, if we look back at, at 87, 89, 87, 88, 89, where this kind of uh, dance music evolved, like Bomb the Bass, S Express, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all, the thing, all these groups and, and songs uh, were a lot of samples in, you know? Mm. And uh, back then, you were not sued for stealing no, sample. You, you could sample a lot. Yeah. It was love, really, because they wanted dance music. So it was more of a, you know, you should. Yeah, that. that's how it went, you know, mm. sort of. So, so, and that was also, of course, an inspiration, you know. Uh, songs like "Pump Up the Volume" and, yeah. and things like that, you know, it's yeah, they did a groovy beat and then they put all these cool samples on top and mm -hmm. created a song of, you know, out of twenty songs. And so, so that was what I was trying to do at home, you know, mm. a sampler and uh, you know, um, yeah, sequencer But and uh, stuff like that. And all this gear, because I looked at your YouTube channel where mm -hmm. you put up a, yeah, yeah. a lot of funny things. To me, as a nerd and music mm -hmm. nerd, I look at all you know the yeah. the sounds and going through the old videos. But mm -hmm. how did you acquire all those instruments and stuff? I mean, they they must have cost yeah. a lot of money for a young boy. Yeah. No. First of all, uh, you need to realize when we're talking, when, when, if we are still at 92 now, yeah. and and before that, I didn't have not much things at all. Yeah. to start with. So 20 years old, I had my turntables. I maybe had one sampler. I think I used the Ensonic ESQ16, or ESQ16 Plus, I, which is like um, 1,500 euro. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like working in whole summer. Yeah, yeah. Forgetting that I didn't have rich parents or anything, no, no, so no. so you one summer, then you bought your sampler. Exactly. Next summer, you maybe bought something else, you know. And so you had to do extra work for yeah, after yeah, school yeah. and everything yeah, to course, find that money. But also DJing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I was 20 or even 18, I can tell you when when um, when I when I um, ended my school after three years. Um, in the gymnasium as, as, as almost all kids do, you know, they went go three years on the gymnasium and then you kind of start to work or you go to high school, you know, mm -hmm. you take the next step. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, then I earned so much money as DJ, uh, so it could compare to normal work. Oh, really? Yeah. That was really good. So um, I used to compare this with my mom's salary. Of course. And I had more, <laughs> uh, she was working full time Uh, daycare for kids and I was earning more playing two to three times a week as a DJ playing records yeah playing records yeah so and all my rec all my money from that went into my future studio sort mm. of and But new records <laughs> and new records yeah, yeah it was records and yeah. studio th stuff you know so so that's uh, what I bought but still 92 I didn't have so much maybe three four five cents mm -hmm. one sampler Um, one mixing desk, cheap stuff. We, we we're not talking like. Uh, did you buy second hand or? Did yeah, you, uh, both. Uh, depended on the synthesizers. At that point, I think I didn't. I didn't. Back then, I had I hadn't started to buy all this vintage stuff. No, no, know? no. So But you had the DX7, the Yamaha. No. Uh, but I had a D. Then again, you know, DX7 was the was the expensive one. Yeah, the cream of the crop. Yeah, I had a <laughs> DX27. Yeah, all right. Which was the crappy one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They had like you know DX7. Then they have DX11. Uh, is it 15? Uh, what else is it? 21 and then 27. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 we're talking all those that, those stuff I bought uh, secondhand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then. After having that synth and a sequencer and 
uh, I, I kind of exchanged that into a D10, a Roland, ah. which was like a workstation back then. Yeah, yeah. Pure crap, if you look at it today. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, that's but back what, then it was... Still, yeah, it was okay, you know. Yeah. It was the sheep man's mm-hmm. studio. Yeah, know? it was more of a home to start up. And, yeah, yeah. And, so yeah. so uh, when you look at those videos uh, with all my equipment, mm. then we're looking at like nine, 95, 96, 97. Yeah. And at that point, I produced 200 records. Yeah. So but how many of your friends and, and people you knew back in the early or the late 80s and the 90s were buying this kind of stuff? It couldn't have been a lot of friends. Buying what? You mean? You know, samplers and synths and using no, 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 it no. the way that you were doing. No, no, no. I was kind of alone yeah. in my, uh, if, if I should say in my, in my, um, in my um, uh, like around, around me and all my friends around me, I don't think there were any in the same like trying to do the same thing as I did I I, uh, I was like standing out a bit because I was a technical DJ mm. um, and then um, but but there was I, I didn't have any like top producer friends or anything you had nobody to talk no, to no no and no no to exchange no no, no 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 and uh, I will explain later when we talk about the three things that mm-hmm. uh, some things that I didn't knew about when when um, Back, right. back hold in the on, days. Hold on to that. Yeah, of course we do that. We take that <laughs> later. But but yeah, yeah. So the, uh, I kind of learned most of the stuff myself. Mm. And w- uh, we're talking, if we go one year ahead, one year later, like 93, um, I did all these demo tapes and I did a lot of songs. And, mm. and uh, then uh, five friends went together and uh, paid for a vinyl, like a vinyl release. To make a pressing of a vinyl. Yeah, correct. So, uh, the five friends... Uh, okay, 500 records to press was uh, €12.50. Euro, mm. Okay, Then you get 500 records back. So, if you pay €12.50, Euros, you get the 500 records. €12.50 Euros for me, 20, 21 years old, was a lot of money. Yeah. So, I couldn't like... Um, play any games with that type of money spend that for for something just for fun you know so we were five people sharing the uh, taking the same uh, we split it into five basically and and then i produced the songs and we pressed this record with four songs on and went to sell that record so that was kind of the start of the we tried to do something here you know yeah, we, the production we, career yeah sort of you know and we sold those 500 records, but nothing more happened with that. You yeah. know, they played a couple of times here on the radio and got them on local radio, but that's it, period. Mm. Um, but one year later, in, in uh, 84, uh, I did a mix for Absolute, which is the biggest compilation company in Sweden. 94? 94, yeah. yeah. Absolute Dance, Absolute yeah, Reggae, correct. Absolute... Uh, like a collection brand that yeah. made a lot of records that had collection songs. And yeah, and they were the top-selling compilation in Sweden yeah. without any. And uh, it was a joint venture uh, company that was owned by Virgin together with, I think, BMG and blah, yeah, blah. A couple was, of companies. Yeah, a couple of mm. major companies. Yeah, correct. Um, and uh, they released these major uh, compilations. And if you... Joint earned, uh, joint uh, owned mm. by um, the top companies. You know, then you get the songs on the compilation. Of course, because 
it's all about the songs you know if you want to do a, a, a compilation and you get all the top songs then you sell a lot you know yeah. if you don't get the top songs then then you have a problem so that's why the company got together and like did this compilation company and it went extremely well uh, and i did a mix for them in 94 uh, for absolute dance a mm -hmm. promotion mix yeah uh, that should be sent to all the djs and be sent to all the radio stations and it actually got the highest feedback rate from djs and then you need to remember they did an absolute dance they did a one two three four of uh, one two three of absolute dance absolute reggae and the people involved in these mixes we're talking like dennis pop yeah, yeah, yeah. and major players you know in the scene that's when everybody started doing their thing yeah 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 and uh, and i was uh, doing this number four and got the highest rate mm -hmm. like the the feedback was, was yeah, yeah. the highest of all those and it ended up me be doing all the future absolute promo mixes you know mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden um all the different record companies was like looking at these records and like so what what is this guy you know doing yeah. and uh, uh, so then my phone started you know ringing all the time uh christy sandelin a huge yeah. guy in the swedish music industry had major success in the 80s with, with um, yeah classical songs uh, like uh, Will Harde or a Fantasia. lot of pop yeah, yeah. music yeah. that was played on radio extensively yeah 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 it's like uh, yeah extremely big mm. he was calling me he mm -hmm. like went on the phone and, and uh, back then no mobile phone was uh, yeah we started to have mobile phones but not really uh, it was not so common back then uh, he was calling me at home like yeah hello you know I want you to remix my next single blah 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 and all of a sudden, everybody was calling me. So the first year alone in 94, my first record came out and I managed to do 20 more records that same year. The same year you did 20 records. Yeah. And this, uh, the first record came in March mm. and then the phone kept ringing. Yeah. You know? And then if we go one year ahead, uh, one year further again to 95, um, I went on 60 records on that year alone. So was it with one song or with a lot of songs or a lot of whole songs. albums or uh, was it diverse? Yeah, first, what I was known as the DJ to be able to fix the mixes for. Mm -hmm. That's like my was what I became famous for. Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of remixes. So and back then, I wouldn't say that people necessarily understood what the difference was in between being a DJ yeah. and being a producer. They just thought of me fixing the right vibe. And yeah, because you made the song fit for the dance floor. Yeah. Because that's where everybody was at yeah. the time. And I was a famous DJ. Mm -hmm. and, and they kept calling this famous DJ, you know. And then again, I also think that my short positions of the things I was involved in was high. Yeah. So my first remix I did was for Stockholm Records. Mm. And that remix went number two on Swedish Dance Chart. And that's, that's just my uh, figuring out that it might have helped me. I don't know, you know, but, did. but I, I think so. If I look back at the situation that my first, you know, it went high, you know. Yeah, yeah. but a lot of people were looking at what songs were people dancing to. Yeah, and that's yeah. how they tuned, how they wrote the songs and how they wanted to present yeah, them. Yeah. And, and this was um, 
I wouldn't say in the early days of dance music because dance music has been made since the 70s. But yeah, but it, it became was a, popular. Yeah, and more. it was a big boom with this Euro disco thing yeah. and, and everything like that. So it started to grow and, and uh, it was the start of Dennis Pop and all these Swedish producers. And mm-hmm. so uh, it was in that whole era. And uh, in 95, I was uh, on records like Eric Gadd and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot There's of. There's a bunch. Yeah, we'll put yeah, the link yeah. in the Spotify link in the. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. A lot of I remix a lot of that. Mm. Like, like one year later, I did Doctor Alban. I did, uh, uh, yeah, I did Maya, Emilia, mm. um, a lot of Falka, Swedish, yeah. yeah. All those big artists. So uh, those that were on the top five, top ten list. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, mm. and and um, actually, I think the first five years out of. Uh, I think out of 150 uh, remixes and productions I did, 75, like exactly half of them, mm. entering the Swedish top 40, yeah. the dance chart. So, yeah, I was on the top 40 all the time, every week with something, mm-hmm. you know. And I did think my record back then in 96, I had 12 tracks on the top fi- uh, top 50 that I was involved in. Yeah. 12 out of 50 tracks. I could see my name. Yeah. I remixed this. I produced this. <laughs> I wrote this. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So if you look at it today, it's like crazy. It's like yeah, uh, but but you were you were at the right time. Yeah. But but there there must have been something that made you get there and stay there as well. I mean, the stuff that you do, it's it's dance music. If yeah. if if you're not into it, you're mm. just hear a beat yeah, and yeah. and some chops. But yeah, I think I think what I took was. Um, when I play as a DJ, no matter what part it is, if you say like, yeah, I want to get married next week, do you want to play on my my uh, party. wedding party? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course I would say. And I would make that party be wild, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would make it, I would make the people dance like crazy. You took that as any, you yeah. know, and important we, clients. So yeah, and, and that's, if, if you do that for five years, yeah. then you understand what rhythm people are dancing to, what almost what EQ people are dancing yeah. to. A lot of, uh, you know, energy in the top or this type of bass or this type of... Yeah. You what kind makes of, them move. Yeah. So you find that out. Yeah, you find that out. And yeah. I think I got hold of that whole thing. Yeah, you know? so you're a people person. You look at how the, the crowd is moving, yeah. how people react to different yeah. things, and you tune your music. Yeah, my productions, you know, yeah. if, because if somebody called me, they wanted that track to be on the number one spot, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. That's what, why they paid me. So then you need to figure out how to get there, sort mm. of, you know. And I think I managed to figure that out. Basically. Yeah, there, there's some magic in, in that that you obviously did and, and still do that that tunes into what that kind of music was back yeah, then, yeah, at least. Yeah. Is it a lot different, you know, from the early part where you started doing that till till where the dance music started to fade in that sense? Because th- there was a shift in in how dance music was presented. Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, um, the money went out of the business, mm. if we're talking late 90s. So I can... Yeah, it went all away from music yeah, at yeah, all, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see, if if I went to... Uh, because mo- most of the, the companies I worked with was in Stockholm, mm-hmm. and i am always been based in Gothenburg. Yeah. But... Um, when I went up to an office in Stockholm on, on a record company, I can see 
maybe you know 10 20 50 people working on the office in yeah, the yeah. office if you went back five years later there were three persons mm-hmm. in the same office the money just wasn't there anymore. yeah no no it, it's and you can see that they didn't spend any that much money on remixes and they mm-hmm. started to not spend so much money on maybe covers and videos and no. they kind of cut the, the the budget for a lot of projects mm-hmm. around that and and uh, also for me i i can just feel that the the phone didn't ring all the time you know yeah, yeah. and and uh, so that i think that was the game changer mm-hmm. you know and uh, but then again music changes uh, like in styles as well as you were it does all about. like yeah. clothing it changes all the time so you need to follow yeah. and you need to I had my like commercial dance music sound. Um, I've never been into the Euro disco myself, so I tried to be more housey in my mm-hmm. approach and be kind of. I, I listen to a lot of cl- club music, and I try to to grab the cool things in the club music, mm. but maybe do that with a commercial twist. So a DJ out on the countryside in Sweden can play that record mm. and it, it's working there, you know, yeah. because you could get if, everybody dancing. Yeah, and because if I would be the, the kind of the um, downtown cool kid, play, only do the production for the for the cool DJs in, mm. in the major cities, then my success hasn't been there. I, yeah. I, w- I would be pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But what I did was to try to build that type of music for another audience. Um, like uh, like two different trains yeah, going the audience that you were playing earlier on because you played at everything yeah so yeah. you had to adapt and so you had that kind of a feeling a legacy behind yeah. you all the time so so some music i did was the for the for the commercial side and then i tried to do some underground things as well mm. to get that train going another direction yeah, yeah. because obviously you want to be the cool guy and you want to be highlighted as, as, of course, as when you're on a roll you just want to go yeah and and you want to reach as many djs and, and and stuff as possible you know and it's always nice to be on a cool djs playlist mm-hmm. rather than a not so cool djs <laughs> playlist course. but then again the not so cool djs playlist maybe makes your record go number one because a lot of yeah. people can play that if, if yeah. you can play more of them play it. yeah that's that's how it is you know mm. and uh, so so i think it's a balance and and um uh, yeah, that, that's uh, how I tried to mm. uh, do my remixes and productions back then. Yeah, and it, it's, I still have that kind of. I say I always talk about like having a direction when you do something. Mm. It's not copying, but no. if if I want to do a new track today, let's say that we start on something here, uh, I would have a goal. I would say like, yeah, I want to do a track similar to. Or I want to be. Um, I want to do this music sounding like this or that. You know, mm. I have a. I have a strong um, path. Mm. A vision. Of yeah, a vision. How it's gonna be. Yeah, that I was when, when even before I start to work. You yeah. know, if I sit down and thinking, oh, maybe it's time to do this type of thing now. Okay, and then I start to do that. Yeah. You know? and then I work on that. Uh, but, but let's take one of the songs for instance, the, the Doctor Alban remix that you mm. did. How did you get that job and what inspiration got you to make that version of the song? Uh, yeah, first of all, how I got the work, uh, yeah, I was on the roll. So, so people mm. called me all the time. And when he called me, I thought it was a joke, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because he was like... Is it him personally calling? He not called, a manager? No, not he a per- called me. Yeah. Uh, but then he... First of all, he had such a huge success worldwide mm-hmm. 
so you need to understand that it's like Robbie Williams calling you. Yeah, or, yeah. Or it's he like, was huge. Yeah, number one. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all over the world. So that's why, you know, uh, he, he broke out of the major record companies. He, he wasn't a major label before. At first he was on a small label, Swemix. But mm. then they went on signing to, to major companies when he got worldwide yeah. attention, you know. And he was on majors for a couple of years. And then he went to do his own thing on his own label. Mm-hmm. So he started his record company. So he owned his music and yes. productions and yeah, so on. Yeah, after a while. You yeah, know? Yeah. And that's when he called me. Mm-hmm. So even if he was the artist, he was also the, the label boss. Yeah. So that's why it might not be so strange that he was actually calling yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But, but then again, but he, still. He, yeah, he was calling me and, and I thought it was a joke. Yeah. So I answered like, uh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. sure, uh, stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know, and didn't take it seriously in the first two minutes. But then I started to realize that, no, it, it could be him, you know, mm-hmm. it's, this is no joke, it's no... Why lie Yeah, <laughs> for so long? Yeah, no, 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 and he was starting to go into details and stuff, and I really understood that he was knew what he was talking about, you yeah. know. And uh, then he said like, yeah, we're in a hurry. Uh, I think it was... I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and he cut the record one day later. Then you sent him the material. Yeah, yeah. so he's he called me like morning. Mm. Let's say it was Monday morning. Uh, he called me like 9.30 and said like, Hello, it's Dr. Alvan here. I want you to do a remix for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have 24 hours, basically. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, and I'm working kind of quick, so I didn't see that as a huge problem. But still, you you obviously want to do your best, and you yeah, want to. Yeah, there's pressure, there's ideas, yeah, there's all these things, you know. you know. So he just told me like like uh, you know, what's your address? Um, just be patient and wait. Someone will will uh, ring at your door, you know. Mm-hmm. So and a messenger over. All yeah, stuff. and he is in Stockholm. Yeah, and I I'm in Gothenburg, and that's 500 kilometers in between. Yeah, it's a five hour drive. <laughs> yeah so i was like yeah sure and i think like we're talking two hours or something later yeah. maybe three hours maximum the doorbell rang so he got somebody to take the plane yeah it is like an express in an hour yeah, something crazy <laughs> and give something and i got the tape yeah. and back then you worked with that dat yeah um, and then i got the vocals on the dat tape and I put that in my machine. Did you, did you get the tracks separated or was this like a song or no, do you remember? Back, yeah, back then, um, most people just sent the vocals mm-hmm. because what you did when you did the remix, sometimes you used some sounds mm-hmm. and then you get things separate. But a lot of people just sent the vocals yeah. because they knew that the DJ or the producer or the DJ producer uh, would rearrange everything anyway yeah. so they just use and they some make all their own everything. sounds new and drums and new mm. yeah all the keys everything yeah so um so but, i but think did, did you get a sheet that said uh, this beat this uh, key no i don't no 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 this, uh, no, 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 no no nothing like that no no you just you get you just get the vocals you know you just get a dat with yeah <laughs> with and then you have the acapella so, all right yeah and that's it Okay. And then you need to figure out the key, you need to figure out the tempo, you need to figure out everything, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes they could write like 125 BPM or something, mm-hmm. but usually I think that track goes like 110. You always when I do the remixes, you take it up to 125 anyway because mm-hmm. you want to do a dance remix. Yeah. And then you need to have a higher tempo and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that and that's You want the right rhythm for dancing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh yeah, you go from scratch basically and mm-hmm. then you start to work and then um 
I had my kind of uh, sound and I had my kind of thing going. So, but you only had twenty four hours to work with. Yeah, basically, it's just to start to work. It's not, not, so what? What was the initial? Okay, this is the first thing that needs to be on this track. I do you start with drums? Do you start yeah, with yeah, usually finding I... the sound, or did you no, just? You... Oh, it's gonna be the eight oh eight or the nine oh nine. Yeah, yeah. Or... Now usually you you do a house beat. Yeah, uh, and something. With... Uh, with what? Yeah. With a, with ma- what machine? What? Yeah. But Let's back, get into the nerdy stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I, back then, I used the TR uh, TR nine hundred nine from Roland a lot, yeah. and that's been the kind of main dance machine since mid eighties. Yeah. You know, since Acid House came about in mm-hmm. in eighty seven. That's been the number one uh, drum machine. Yeah, but it came out like 85, 86 or something no, like I, that. No, I 83 actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That early? So the, so the TA, TR808 yeah. came, I think it was 80. Yeah. Maybe 81. No, 80, I think it was. And a couple of years later, they were kind of updating this with the TR909. Mm-hmm. But from what I remember, I always loved the TR808 more, but those short percussive sounds that that machine is all about um and with a very fat bass on the bass drum um didn't go really well as 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 a whole as a as dance a club rhythm music, no. no because it was that, more softer and more yeah it, it went on it is used as much as i'm not saying mm-hmm. that but if you if you look at, at a pure dance music mm-hmm. uh, the 909 is dance music yeah and that was the purpose. Yeah, and the 909, uh, the 808 is more like a percussion sort of drum. A rhythm machine. Yeah, mm. it's and, and then you need, need to remember also that what those, particularly the 909, uh, needed, w- wanted to do was to um, replace the drummer. Mm-hmm. So uh, then the Lin drum came out, which sounded more like a drummer than the TR-909. So from what I remember, the TR-909 was not a huge success when it was released. No. Now it's super... Yeah, yeah. Now now you need to pay three times as much as it cost when it came out. But but the thing is that from from mid, like 87, 88, when the Summer of Love and Acid House and these things, you you had that open hired on everything. You had a bass drum on everything. Mm -hmm. You you, you, You used the snare on everything. And everybody had basically the same package and, yeah. and the 909. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what I used a lot as well. Yeah. Then I mixed that up with, with um, uh, samples and stuff and, and different things. Uh, I used a lot of drum loops mm-hmm. and I took a lot of drum loops from, from uh, like underground music. So you sampled drum loops? Yeah, yeah, sure. From records that you have bought and yep, stuff yep. like that. And that's kind of what I think was also... Uh, something why i was successful because i took yeah, you made cool your own sounds uh, yeah also yeah of mm. course i programmed synthesizers yeah but also sampling different records that you thought were interesting yeah, yeah making yeah. your sounds that's what i'm talking about that's the, the the combination with being a dj and being the record producer mm. you knew what was cool mm-hmm. you listened to so many records you mm-hmm. play so many records and you chatted with so many DJs, friends, and like, oh, have you heard this record? Have you heard mm-hmm. this? Uh, this sound? Have you heard, you know, this bass line? And then I can take all those inspirations, uh, 
Some of them I've been stealing, mm -hmm. like sampling. Yeah. Some of them I reproduced myself. Some of them I've been inspired just and, and just now didn't steal anything or just like, ah, cool thing. You can do that. I can do almost the same. I do mm -hmm. this way, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of a ongoing thing with, with a lot of inspiration, you know, mm -hmm. from everything. And the deeper you're involved in the DJ thing and play a lot of records, buying a lot of records, the more you have to choose from, mm -hmm. you know. But, but going back to that song, how much trial and error was there? Or, or did you just know that, okay, it's going to be the 909 here, yeah. then I'm going to do the bass from this synth? Yeah, uh, it's... Um, how I much think, was I think, uh, um, yeah, you know, it's... I, I know it's a flow for you, but yeah. you can try to break, yeah, yeah, yeah. break it down no, no, a bit more I, I remember what, what I used, the stuff I used, and what studio I had back then. And actually, mm -hmm. there was also a, a um, the Swedish national television, SVT, yeah. was, and it's also on YouTube. Yes, it's um, a segue to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I knew what, what I used, and they did a, 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 a little um, spot on, on a show where they kind of went home to me and you know how do you do a remix exactly. you know and there is a how-to yeah you do all that which i also I see in this film yeah i i show i show people like this is how we do it you know and and <clears throat> but you know when i start to work i start with a beat maybe i put the bass line on and then i had some top synths uh, doing some melodies and it's just like um the, the the thing just happens, you know. Yeah. It's like so uh, you, you you don't know exactly where it comes from. It just flows. Yeah, and basically. maybe I again the path I'm trying to I, I highlight something. Yeah. I want to do a house remix that is uh, ending up uh, in this type of vibe, you mm -hmm. know. And then I'm just going for that direction. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I'm copying something else. Or no, but you're, you're but, planning but out your composing. Yeah, I'm pinpointing out something mm -hmm. that I want to try to reach. Mm -hmm. And usually, uh, let's say I want to do a rock record here with you now. Mm -hmm. And say like, yeah, we do something similar to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. We do the Nirvana so sound. As, yeah, okay. yeah, you know? And so we want to have the, the rough, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we want to have the rough sound on the guitar. We mm. want to have that grungy feeling. We mm. want to have, and I start with that, and then we started to work, you know. And and mm. you know, do you have the grungy sound? Yeah, you have this, and it doesn't necessarily be would be the same. It, no, it ends no, no. up with something else, but I have a goal. Yeah, but you know what you're looking for. Yeah, you know yeah. the sound, the feeling of the yeah, guitar, something. maybe how yeah. the bass rumbles in a certain yeah, frequency. If, if I want to have, and then when you start to play around with the synths, you maybe have this idea of having a rumble bass, you know. Mm -hmm. But then when you do the rumble bass, it doesn't sound good with the drums. Mm -hmm. Then you need to rethink. Ah, the rumble ba rumble bass was crap. I need to have a percussive bass, mm -hmm. like duk, 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 short stuff and blah mm -hmm. blah blah. And then you add that on, and and yeah. And oh, it became something else. Was that all from trial and error to f to find those you know nuances in, in in the composing? Because when people start today fresh, they mm -hmm. have so much in the box. Yeah, yeah. But but for you, it was like a lot of okay. I need yeah. to listen to that album, to that vinyl specifically, and see what makes that bass not cut away the 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 drum or yeah. The Again, drum it, or it's like, like um, you try to. You try to listen to other records production, other people's production on mm -hmm. other records, and you knew that uh, a very low, long bass sound would make a club rumble. Mm -hmm. um, but 
usually what I when I played, I didn't want to have that rumble feeling because the rumble feeling didn't make people happy. Mm. You you need to have instead of having a bass drum going boom boom mm. and and everything is shaking, you know. I wanted to have the shorter the snappy. Yeah. yeah. Because what I figure out was that it works so much better on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. A higher kick, uh, instead so more of, of a high frequency. Yeah, it's like I'm not talking about that euro, tuk, 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 no, no, not no. that type of sound. But 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 instead of putting the decay up so much, so it's becoming like boom, boom, yeah. boom, you go like do 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 a bit harder, shorter thing, mm-hmm. you know, and. Those type of tricks, you, you, you kind of, you understand that when you play so much, so many different records out, mm-hmm. you maybe play like 100 songs each night. Yeah, and there's and you, different PAs. Yeah, and everything. And you figure out that, weird. yeah, and you figure out that, you know, this sound is always working, you know, and yeah. this sound is always making people go off the dance floor. And, mm-hmm. and when I mix in this record, it feels like it's, it's very, uh, very dull and very like, uh, not so much energy and you, you, you kind of figure out these things and mm-hmm. and and all this, this knowledge you try to put into the production so when choosing sounds you, you you're thinking of that in the background mm-hmm. not particularly particularly choosing sounds that but when you come close to something that you remember now this is not the right way to go you know you take that away mm-hmm. and you do something else and you but there is no really I'm choosing the sounds um, by feeling uh, yeah or by, by feeling and by you experience just, yeah and and you, you just and then you want to do something interesting mm. because if you do something just by if i would use the same sounds all over over again it, it would become boring yeah it so would be ne- the same album all the time yeah mm. so you need to come up with new things all the time and that's yeah. also a challenge you know yeah. so of course you want to have your sound and you want to have your thing but you, you, I want it to be unique for every every single thing. For every song that you write, you're and you're trying to approach it uniquely. Yeah, and, and, anyway, a, and even a, though you have your, uh, you know, your library of this is what I know works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 then again, if we go to the Doctor Alban thing, <clears throat> that record, I, I I can't say I knew it it would be number one, but uh, I. I obviously thought it would be a huge job for me. It was a huge spot, a highlight spot yeah, for yeah. me as a remixer and producer, you know. So he was one of the biggest guys back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so uh, I tried my best and uh, did the, that work. Basically, the same Monday uh, was ready almost in the evening. Then I went to bed, sleeping for my eight hours. Went up in the morning, fresh ears, you know. Another mm-hmm. day, did the the some tweaking two hours maybe and the remix was ready did did you mix everything done or did you leave a a uh, stem mix or how, how was the no, process no, no, for no. you to give it back yeah the first thing is if we're talking mixing mm-hmm. i'm always almost even up today mixing as i'm working mm-hmm. So there is no like, okay, now I do the mixing. Okay, so you're always mixing, always yeah, tweaking yeah, yeah, the sound, yeah. finding well, it, fitting yeah, it, yeah. placing it. Everything. Mm. EQ, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then, of course, I... But the finalization, when when you're like, okay, this yeah. is done. I have it in the box yeah. now. No, and then, then you just... Back then, everything was in Cubase, mm-hmm. and the vocals was Cubase audio, because that was kind of a new thing back then. Mm. 
Um, so you had the, the music as a MIDI, MIDI information, yeah. and you had all these synths online waiting for the signals from the computer, you know? Mm. So everything was on, you know? There is no, like, tape recordings or anything. So you do the productions in the computer, all the notes is programmed, all the drums is programmed, and all equipment is waiting for the start signal, basically. Yeah. Then you have the uh, vocals on the, the audio channels, and back then you could only had two or two stereo files. Then the Cubase was full. Yeah. Because the today you can have make it. Yeah, no, today you can have like 200 channels of yeah. audio, but back then it, it, that was not the way, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so you had the vocals on on one stereo file and maybe the choirs on another stereo file. Mm. And then that was it, you know. So um, But uh, you exported the file I push play yeah. on the on the Cubase. Mm-hmm. And then I recorded that, uh, it went into the mixing desk and straight to the DAT, DAT tape. Yeah. So you recorded back onto a DAT tape. Yeah, so that was one take, mm. play, and but everything was pre-programmed, so there was no live things going on, you know, everything was like mm. uh, ready to go, you know, the reverbs was, was uh, you know, but the, and everything. You yeah. have to remember that all the stuff was hardware. Oh, oh everything the, was hardware. The only thing that came from the computer was his vocals from yeah. Cubase. Yeah. The rest was hardware synths, hardware. Yeah. And that got the tone information from the MIDI. Yeah. So, so when you press play on the on the computer, uh, it's telling my Juno 106 to yeah, yeah. Uh, play those notes and uh, pl- play those drums and play those yeah. and everything. You know, was was kind of uh, yeah one take. And then when you did the mix down on the DAT tape, uh, then you took the DAT back to the computer, maybe mastering a mm-hmm. little bit. Peak Maybe. Limit. Yeah, no, but... <laughs> Peaking I, it, checking yeah, it for... Yeah, a little, little bit, but there was no, like, mastering like today that you EQ a lot of stuff. It, mm. It's only peak limiting yeah. f- from what I did, you know. Um, I didn't have those skills back then at all. So, no, but so. you you were supposed to send it away to somebody... Yeah, who, there was also... The rest of the production. There was also a mastering studio waiting yeah. for my tapes. Of course. But, but what I figured out was that um, if I wanted to be... Uh, really good at what I'm doing I need to be able to tweak the mastering the mm-hmm. way I want myself yeah of because course. you always thought that the mastering guy will fix this and that but they never do no 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 and and they have they have a job too so they're doing their part so yeah you have yeah to do yours but but I kind of always thought that a lot of the good sound and the good records mm. came out of this magic mastering guy just fixing everything <laughs> to a right certain sound or certain feel, you know. Mm. But the older I get, the older I'm getting, and the more experience I got, is that that's up to the producer 100%. Yeah. But back then, you're the musician, you're the technician, you're the producer, and yeah. you have to be good at your craft. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but uh, I didn't think that way back then. So no. you thought that it was a magic guy in the end <laughs> fixing those final things, you know. Yeah. If you want to have a certain pump in the... Like everybody's using sidechain these days, you know. Mm. But if you want to have that certain pump and, and, and sidechain effect, you thought that, you know, maybe this mastering guy will... He will hear that my kick will go up a bit and then he can compress and do yeah. that uh, pumpy feel, you know. Mm. But then you got the, the, the thing back and... Nope. Didn't happen. It was the same. No, the same, you know, it was what I sent. It was, of course, better sound quality, more uh, uh, treble, more bass, more, yeah, you know. more frequency. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he kind of did his work, you know. Mm. 
And uh, but still, he couldn't side chain your kick. <laughs> no, no, he couldn't. He couldn't do that magical thing that I thought, you yeah. know, maybe someone, somebody else could fix, you know. Yeah. And um, that's been something that I need to to bang in my own head. That you know, if I want to have a certain sound, don't um, uh, let anybody, uh, don't think that anybody else will fix it because there is no one no. Uh, that will do that for you. You know, you need to. Um, great that's a that's a great segue for for the the three things that we're supposed yeah. to talk about yeah let's go there because we're getting into over an hour and i want to yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, okay the three things um that i wish i knew yeah. back then but didn't knew and it goes back to that record from 93 that we pressed ourselves you know mm -hmm. you and your friends made. yeah yeah i did four tracks and we just pressed those on record and wanted to be new producer superstars. Of course. <laughs> But, um, okay. Compression. I didn't knew what it was. No, like, most people don't know what compression is, even today. And by saying that, I mean that I didn't have even one compressor. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. I didn't knew that it was needed. Mm -hmm. So what I was focusing on was to buy a drum machine, and a synthesizer, and one more synthesizer, and one more synthesizer. And then I needed a delay and a reverb. And a mixing channel. And a mixing channel, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Then you do your music. Of course. But everybody like listening to this today, or well, most people will laugh and say like, yeah, of course you need to have a uh, EQ, and you mm -hmm. need to have a mastering, blah, 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 blah. I didn't But who knew? Who knew? Did I, any I, of I your didn't. friends know? No, 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 no. No, and, of and course how, not. How could you know about these things? No, because they, they weren't future sound. They weren't future music no, 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 back no, no. then. No, 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 no. None of these big magazines existed. So, so, so that I would say that that was number one thing. And obviously, buying a compressor and using a compressor, as I did, like one year later in '94 and I used as my mastering compressor, mm. it kind of changed everything because all the sounds all of a sudden got together, you know? Yeah. It glue nice They were and in the fit. same yeah, room, got fat and big. And, everything, yeah. you know? And even though we, I didn't like overuse it as many other, you know, you, you need to remember, we're talking now, now 94, 95, Daft mm. Punk was, was starting out yeah. and, and all this kind of French, very compressed sound was uh, developing, you know, in dance music. Mm. And even if you if you didn't go all the way like they did, you still wanted to have a funky, fresh, uh, bouncing. Yeah, yeah, you didn't want your volumes to change no. when they played on the radio. No, stuff like that. Yeah. So 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 yes, I used to compress a lot as as soon as I bought one, you mm -hmm. know. But that was the number one thing I I didn't have a clue about, you know. Yeah. The second thing, and it's it's almost on the same uh, yeah the same path limiter mm -hmm. uh, what's what's a limiter what, what what is that doing you know today everybody knows about loudness war and stuff like that and mm -hmm. they kind of try to take away all the dynamics to to get mm -hmm. stuff as loud as possible me included because uh, we are all in the same war mm -hmm. you know but i didn't know know what that was back in the, that day So, no, like we talked, it, it was hard to learn these yeah. things. You had to no clue. find a producer who had one. No clue at all. No. So, so um, what happened with that record? Yeah, it sounded extremely weak mm -hmm. uh, in many ways. First of all, my kick, if you look at it, 
if, if you if you record that vinyl today and just bring it on any system like Cubase, Pro Tools, mm. uh, Logic or whatever, you will see every kick as a huge pile straight yeah. up. Uh, and then everything else is low, you know? Yeah, just a spike. Just a spike. Yeah. And, and um, so what we call that was a low pressing of a vinyl. Mm-hmm. It was pressed low. We didn't know that, you know, there was a mastering guy yeah, fixing yeah. this or, or not fixing, you know? So I, I kind of remember when I talked to this mastering guy, I said, like, don't touch anything. We're kind of pleased with the sound mm-hmm. because all of us five playing out as DJs, we're listening in my studio and, and, and we switched back and forth to, to other records, you know, and we, we felt like... It sounded like, good. Yeah, it sounded great, you know. Mm-hmm. This is really good, you know. But we had no way of measuring. No, of course. Uh, no, no... Um, you had no EQ stack that you could look on how nothing, the frequencies nothing, were changing. Nothing. And no, no, no dynamics, uh, ranges or no. anything, you know. So we just, you know, kind of went back and forth with mm. some vinyl records. And our record ended up like... Yeah, weak, you know, mm-hmm. low pressed. Of course. Uh, no compression, nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And but it was a it was a lesson learned. It was hard, yeah. but, but you got it. And but we sold the five hundred records in the end. Still good. So so mm-hmm. we 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 I, I guess we we were happy to to not. Uh, yeah, you have to start somewhere. You you yeah. you made a big thing of of making one because a lot of people don't make records. No. They don't do recordings. They no. still. Yeah. Just do the thing because they're afraid that okay, I might not know how to do that, or I might not be as interesting. No, but and then again, uh, then then if we talk on on the third thing, um, when you have a certain knowledge, like mm-hmm. you know a couple of things and you you understand what a studio is about and how to record and stuff, you don't need to be like a pro. No, but you need to understand that you can't go over zero in in, in level because that that it will it will clip and mm-hmm. s- sounds awful and you cannot send away your mastering, the, the your master, uh, just basic simple things you mm-hmm. know, which are easy to learn today. Yeah, yeah, it's you really just easy. Look at, but look when you there. have that knowledge, mm-hmm. I would say that the main tip and the main thing to understand is that there are no rules. Of course. So that's my third thing mm. that because I always thought, you know, in my life, if I become the number one DJ in this competition, it will automatically uh, gain. I will I will be viewed as the number one DJ, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't necessarily need, need to be that way. You know, if we take talking about the, the famous guy, Klaus of Jägerstam Club, as we talked mm. about before. He didn't want any competition. He no. was more famous than me anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same with music. That um, I always thought that if I do a perfect production, then people will like. No, yeah, you, you know, get, get famous. The, by this, you. this guy <laughs> is doing such a brilliant work with the EQ or the mm-hmm. delays or with that. You know, his um, roads is sounding so cool or mm-hmm. blah blah blah. No one cares. No. To be honest, you know? No, because they wanted to hear the song. They were not interested in the EQ. No, but <laughs> I thought, you know, there was mm. a path to the perfect yeah, producer. Yeah, the sound. And, yeah, the yeah. perfect. If you do certain things in certain ways, you end up being the best producer. Correct. And 
I'm just telling everybody that there are no rules. No, you no, know, no, just fuck it. You know, just do but your thing and just, just, just experiment. Do whatever. Then there are certain rules, as I'm telling you. You can't. Yeah, you have to learn certain skills. Yeah, yeah. basic skills. But maybe. after that, you know, just, just play around. You know, yeah. uh, make the compressor go uh, backwards. You know, it. You know, if you feel that way, you, you know, try it. You know, and yeah. and. Uh, so yeah, as long as you get the basic skills yeah. and you, you feel that you have that, then the rules are out the window. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that's something that I kind of been thinking of later in my life. You know, mm. it's uh, when I started out, I thought, you know, if you follow this road, you know, and and if you look at the the top producers, kind of Quincy Jones and mm-hmm. these uh, like giants, you know you thought that they were kind of fully learned you know and mm. that's why they are and, and 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 of course they are fully learned in some way but it doesn't necessarily need to be that uh, knowledge that does their success no of course not they have other skills or yeah. other things that makes them uh, you know ending up like uh, producing the thriller album with correct Jackson, you know correct like, and quincy does the same thing as everybody he he finds friends yeah and he lets them do their thing that they're good at and mm. then he does his thing yeah and he's always learning and he's still saying that i'm still learning from younger kids yeah how to write songs and how to compose and how to find the right sound because you know everything is out the window once you yeah. you come to a certain skill but it's the it's not the production at the end of the day it's it's still did you write something creative? Is it mm. fun to listen to? Yeah. And like you said, it, it, are they dancing to this song? Yeah, if yeah. they're not, then mm. I'll have to tweak it. Yeah, yeah. So you have to learn that and get that yeah. experience. So, so I think that knowledge. Um, I, I had another career that we haven't been talking about at all in the techno scene. Mm. I started to when when the music industry went down a bit. I thought of maybe starting my own labels mm-hmm. so i did in 2001 and a friend of mine we we were uh, walking around and, and playing frisbee golf and and had a lot of talking about that's the co- good the coolest uh, labels the coolest sound the mm-hmm. coolest uh, you know everything and 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 all of a sudden we we said like yeah why not do it ourselves and i've been producing up to that point maybe 200 records you mm-hmm. know producing remixing uh, releasing own artist uh, aliases and and yeah, yeah. yeah different things basically so i felt like i can do anything you know it's uh, why not just do another uh, do a label and you as know. long as you do that I yeah, think that's yeah. the message just do don't talk about just yeah do it yeah C- complete Go your song complete yeah. your and and Correct. then you know yeah that, i think that's the that's the biggest lesson here to to just do and and make it until you say okay this is finished now and yeah. then yeah. next one so yeah so so we we started that label and, and one thing led to another and and it ended up uh, one thing one song that i did became a hit in the techno in the world of mm-hmm. techno and it was a crossover song so the cool techno djs um uh, we're talking like today adam bayer maybe mm-hmm. the most famous swedish techno dj today uh, mm-hmm. he was playing the record as, uh, but also uh, DJ Tiesto, mm-hmm. uh, well known and extremely famous, but very commercial. Mm-hmm. He was playing the My same records. Uh, ah, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, he 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 also played the record, yeah. and the, and the record blew blew up, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, there are huge uh, clips on the internet where you can see people. Um, I, have, I have one which I'm very proud of. And mm-hmm. which one? Um, you know, all these festivals. It's it's funny because back then people didn't know about festivals in Sweden mm-hmm. at all. Uh, are you talking nineties now or two thousand? Two thousand, early two thousand. Early two thousand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the kind of uh, all the DJ the DJ hype was starting to grow. We had no uh, sh- things like that in Sweden. There was no, no summer dance, burst or no, exactly. nothing like that. Uh, we didn't dance DJ festival. No, and we didn't have anything like way out west or anything mm. poppy uh, similar. We yeah mm. we had Hultsfred and there were a few you know, yeah. but there were no like big dance. F- no, they were know. for bands. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So so um, uh, if you look at Swedish House Mafia today and when they ending a show you see the fireworks mm-hmm. and you see that everything every all the audience is going crazy and and there is a big yeah, like, it's a party it's a yeah, big and and they take the best song in the end and what happened with my song was that Carl Cox mm-hmm. voted number one DJ in the world many times uh, he was finishing a show in front of 50,000 people in Holland mm-hmm. uh, with my song you know that was his final theme mm-hmm. the fireworks went on and everything yeah it was know? a good show stopper so yeah it was like his uh, crescendo, crescendo you know in the, in the end you yeah, know yeah. it's like and that's something you can find on the internet which i'm really proud of you that's know? a good recognition for the, all the hard work you put yeah, in. yeah yeah and and i can still almost look at that clip and get some goosebumps because i did that track you know that's correct and he chose that track yeah. to, to get the thing going crazy you know mm-hmm. that's the final he wanted that final ending yeah. to be perfect like so everybody else that, you know, know on all shows i know? think that's a very good merit and i think that's somewhere that we should like stop so yeah <laughs> so i don't take up all your time and it's it's a good it's a good place to stop because what we've been talking about is that you worked your ass off basically to yeah. to get and it's been ups and downs yeah yeah but the thing that is key here is that you didn't give up mm. and you st- still kept on learning and doing stuff yeah and, and that's that's a big part of uh, what i want to do this for is to to just do to mm-hmm. yeah take the downfalls yeah take the learnings yeah. and talk to different people yeah find the friends you need and yeah. ask a Get bunch involved. of questions yeah. it's like yeah. yeah so ask anybody and after that record i was living almost 10 years out of that record with a lot of gigs events yeah. and you know all record companies so it was another segue for you to yeah. boost your like, career uh, and get a, jobs. Sec- a second uh, coming or what yeah. you call that yeah that's so, brilliant so so um yeah it's been a really good ride uh, all over the years and and i can tell that the whole ride from start to finish has been extremely fun you know mm-hmm. uh, when you're talking about hard work sure it's hard work mm-hmm. but for me it was always fun you know yeah, if it's I not did, fun, I didn't, you don't do it. No, and I didn't see it as work. No. I didn't. I, I did see it as fun all the time. Mm. So uh, getting this phone call from Dr. Alban, working 24 hours to get that ready, you cannot talk of work. No. This is fun, you know. Of course. It's like, uh, so that's, that's a huge, huge uh, thing that... Um, it has to be fun, otherwise yeah. you will quit. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a, I think that's a main goal for any musician, athlete, worker, anything. Yeah, if, yeah. if it sucks... Do something else. Yeah, but and but the, but the older I am getting, mm-hmm. the more I understand that I was really hard working. But yes, I never felt I never I never felt like no. that. You know, I never no, no. felt like that but, way. But just look at the track record yeah, of yeah. all those things that you've been yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
anything that people yeah. you work with and so on. Yeah. It's that's a lot of work and it's a big yeah. legacy yeah. from 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 a guy who lived in a in a really small town yeah. in yeah. <laughs> north of Europe. Yeah, I think that's a is a huge uh, achievement to, mm. that you have done. Thank you. But but it's um, I'm just gonna leave you with uh, you made a book. Just just yeah. give us super short pointers of what the book is all about and yeah it's it's basically a bit of what we talked about mm -hmm. uh, it's it's my career from from start to goal maybe i'm not uh, uh, not goal but up to today, today yeah basically but with know? a lot more details yeah a lot more details and hopefully you find things in there which inspires you you get all the yeah all the details of everything mm -hmm. how i did things and how i you know developed things and how i produced records and what how i went from the here to there and mm -hmm. the publishing companies and yeah everything techno events uh, yeah the full story basically and mm -hmm. hopefully people find that uh, inspiring to to read uh, of course I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna <laughs> love it because I'm. I like those nerdy details, and yeah. I think it's super interesting. And thank you. So. Thank you for talking to me. And yeah, thank you. All Very right. Nice.